welcome to the Learning Through Grace podcast, where it's just three guys with the Word of God learning through grace. I'm Alan. I'm Tyler. And I'm Derek. All right, guys, so our story today comes from John. It's my wife's favorite gospel, the Gospel of John, and it's in chapter 8. I love this story. Um, It's about um, where Jesus is in the temple. And based on his like previous teachings, the Pharisees and the Jews think Jesus is demon possessed, and they're making claims about him. You know, you you got to be demon possessed. You're saying all these things, uh, but Christ is obviously like, I'm not demon possessed. I promise you, there's no demon inside of me. Um, he says, I honor my Father, and you're dishonoring me. Um, I'm not seeking glory for myself, but there's one who seeks it, and he is the judge. You know, pretty much saying. You know, I'm not what you think I am. I'm much more than that. And so they start saying some different things like, well, do you even know Abraham? Um, and Jesus says, and this is the, the the big part, is, you know, were you alive when Abraham was there? And he says, Christ says, before Abraham was born, I am. And at this, it says they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. And this story is cool to me because a couple months ago, I started to like look through the scriptures and trying to find claims where Jesus is claiming not to just be any other man. He's not claiming to be fully human. He's truly claiming what he is. And he is the Son of God, and he's trying to make that claim here to where they understand. You know, there's a lot of religions. I know um, people in Islam, I think I think Buddhists. You can probably help me out with that, Derek. I know you know a lot about world religions. But they, they will say that Christ was a good person. They'll say that Christ was a good man and a good teacher, and he was a good prophet. But they completely deny the fact that, that he is equal to God because he is God. And I've started to, to really try to go through the scriptures and find times where Christ is saying that he truly is God. And this is one of those moments where he, he's claiming to be that. Because just the saying, the statement, I am, you know, you look at the reaction of, of the people around him and they want to stone him. Because he has claimed that he is not just a man, but he is God himself. He's claiming to be um, God. Um, So I kind of wanted to know what y'all's thoughts are on that. Do y'all know other parts of Scripture where Christ is claiming to be more than just a man? What are y'all's thoughts? So it's a big statement um, for a lot of different reasons. The fact that they bring up Abraham, I think, is of paramount importance because at this time— Abraham had almost become a deity in himself to a lot of the Jewish people. Like the way they talked about him, the way they revered him was on a pedestal, I would argue is almost equal with God at times with the way they talk about him historically at this time period. So just him even saying that he is better than Abraham was a huge deal. But then to go on and also say, I am is an even bigger step. Like it, it, there's two different things happening. One is he's saying he's better than Abraham, which is insane to any of the Jews for someone to come and say. It doesn't matter if you're the best prophet that's ever existed. To say you're better than Abraham at that time period is wild. And I, that's probably what drives some of the crazy like reaction. Um, and then to take it one step further and say, not only am I better than him, you just think I'm some prophet that's here, 
no, no, no. I am. Like, I am God. I am him in the flesh. I mean, that's beyond sacrilegious, right? Like, that is an assault. That is an affront. That is everything that they want to be wrong in this situation. He is just... Everyone that wants to be against him, he has just validated their thoughts in this moment. Um, And so it's a big step. And you're right. There's a lot of religions that do recognize Christ as a living person, but not as Messiah. Even, I mean, Judaism still exists today because they recognize him as just a really good rabbi, um, for lack of a better... Jews may frame it a different way, but from my conversations, they look at him just as like a really well-taught rabbi that brought some new things, but didn't change anything because he's not the Messiah in their eyes. Um, So yeah, it's a huge statement to be out and about in this situation claiming, Hey, I know you're here to listen to me as a prophet and like, cause I do good things. And like, there's probably some people in that crowd that are just there. Cause like he heals people and does miracles and they're wanting that. But for him to take that statement and say, I am he, I am God. It's going to be shocking. And a lot of people are not ready for that to happen. Now, I don't know how you could be ready for that, but <laughs> right. Definitely in this situation, you can tell they were a little unprepared and caught off guard by him so openly claiming a title of such importance. I go back to what it says in John um, that you read um, in in John 8, verse 56. It says, Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day, and he saw it and was glad. And to me, like I I think of of this and... um, I think of Abraham got to see when he when he died and he went to heaven. He got to see God and he got to see and now he's and now Christ has come back and he has said, "Well, I've I, before Abraham, it was me. Like it was me. I was there and I saw that. Uh, I am." And like to me Abraham met him and now he is here telling the Jews that, "Hey, I didn't just no Abraham, but like I was one of the reasons why, why he was there, you know, and it will go into another, uh, we'll talk about Abraham in another podcast, um, later, but like just the thought that the, that the Jews thought that Christ was bigger than, bigger than, than Abraham is just like Derek said, it's mind blowing for that time. I think it's funny how literally they take his statement. And that's something we see often with Christ is he speaks in a way that people don't understand because they're not thinking the way he does. Like he talks about seeing Abraham and all something like, you're not even 50 years old. How are you here at the same time Abraham was? And like, there's, it's such a literal thought process of, well, you're not old enough to have done that. And Christ is in there going, I'm trying to speak to you of things that are higher. I'm trying to speak to you of heaven and this, this elevated way of living and like they just cannot see past the literal. And that's what I think drives a lot of that resentment is they're like, Oh, well he's lying because he's not old enough and like ignoring, not maybe not ignoring just naive to the heaven side of things that he is there to try to teach them. Um, I don't know if y'all have either ever watched the chosen. I know Derek, I think you've said that you haven't watched it or you weren't going to watch it. Tyler, I don't know if you've watched it, but in the show, they kind of do a take on this um, this story, but they also kind of make it their own. Um, it's a scene where you know Christ and the disciples are in the in the synagogue, and they kind of play through what the scripture would say, where Jesus sits down, 
he reads the scripture and says, today this, these scriptures are fulfilled with, with you being here and having heard it. And so then you, you see the rabbis come up and be like, what are you talking about? How can you be fulfilling the, these prophecies? Who are you claiming to be? And, you know, Jesus starts talking, and I think he, if I'm remembering correctly, this is the part where he heals somebody in the synagogue, and they're like, hey, you can't do that here, and everything else. And he said, they pretty much accused Jesus of um, disrespecting the law of Moses. And this is where they kind of play on this scripture, but then they make it their own. And Jesus, in the show, this is not scripture, Jesus says, I am the law of Moses. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. It's true. You know, you'll never find, if you try to find that in the Bible, you'll never find it. But it's kind of a play on on what Christ is claiming about himself here, because for one, Jesus is the law of Moses. He, he helped craft it. And here we have Christ claiming to be more than a man, kind of like what you're saying, Derek. And I can only imagine, you know, we see the reaction when when other people hear this man who they see, you know, we see it as, you know, I see red words on a Bible, and to me that says God. You know, they're seeing a man in front of them claiming to be more than God. That's got to be, I'm sure, if I was there, I'm sure that'd be tough for me to hear too, you know, if I didn't believe in that moment. I know the apostles are there, and they saw all the wondrous signs that he was doing, and they believed, but these people didn't, and they're not like you said, they weren't listening to what he was saying. If they were listening to what he was saying, they might have had a different reaction. They wouldn't have tried to stone the Son of God. They would have, you know, rightfully fallen down on their on their on their knees and worshipped him um, as they should have. So, I just think that Christ talks about himself so much in the Bible, and he reveals what he is and who he is in the Bible that there's just no question that Jesus of Nazareth, this historical figure, was truly the Son of God, and there is no question of that. You know, he's not wanting—he's not—he wasn't trying to leave it up to question. You know, there's a book I read in high school where, um, I think it was called More Than a Carpenter, and in that book it talks about how Christ is either a lunatic, or he's a liar, or he's the Lord. Those are the only three options you get, because— you're a lunatic because you're you're healing all these people and you're acting crazy, or you're a liar because here he's claiming to be the Son of God, or maybe he really was being truthful in what he said that he was. He truly is the Son of God, and if he is the Son of God, we really need to listen to the to the heavenly things that he talks about in Scripture. So, any other thoughts on this? Or yeah, um, so two things, two separate things. So one, I don't hate the chosen. But I will say I don't love it because um, I do think it takes some liberties at times where I would choose not to. But I do think it can be a great resource for like helping people enter into the Word of God, and I think it does a good job of helping like context and emotions, things that you don't really get through the pages sometimes. Um, so I don't dislike the chosen. I don't love it. I think it's just I think it's a, something that can be valuable if used in the right way. Is probably my my biggest concern is if you only use the chosen, there's going to be some things that maybe lead you a little bit off track of what's actually scripture. Um, but I, I think it's interesting. That I think there's a warning in the literalness of the way they take it. Cause it's not just this first. I mean, there's lots of times where there's something happening and they are just looking at something so literally that they can't see the good that's right in front of them. Um, I think of when Christ heals someone on the Sabbath and like they freak out and they're like, you just broke the Sabbath. He's like, 
what are you talking about? Like, I'm healing someone. Why is this a problem? Like, you're looking so literally at the law that you're missing the goodness that is God. And yes, the law is important, especially in Old Testament times before Christ came, but that doesn't mean it should get in the way of doing what's right in the moment. Like, there's always going to be an opportunity where the law should be followed, but there's always limits to that, where you're too much of it, right? Um, I think of C.S. Lewis' rights of temperance at one point, and um, kind of how it had been pushed to the extreme of what that means in his time. And he's post-prohibition, he's talking about alcohol. And he's like, it's going to be different for everyone. Like, you can't expect everything to work for everyone, especially like when it comes to that. He's like, for some people, following Christ may mean that they never drink because they know that one drink leads to drunkenness and they lose control. To some people, it means just drinking within, you know, a right amount and being able to control yourself. And like, that's fine. And sometimes it may mean I can drink at this time, but there's certain people I'm not going to drink when I'm around because I know it's going to affect them poorly. Um, but I think these Pharisees would look at it and say, you should just never drink ever. And like, Christ is like, you're missing the heavenly point of these things. Like you're, you're pushing it to such an extreme that it's almost impossible for anyone to live within. Um, and you're missing the goodness. Like I said, I mean, if they followed, if he followed the law as literally as they wanted, how many things would he have not done when he was on earth? How many things would he have not helped people with or cured people of? Or, I mean, I don't know where the old Testament law is. I'm bringing people back from the dead, but I feel like the Pharisees probably have an issue with that. And so, it's just so interesting how literally they continually take things every time they're talking to him and how every time he's like, let's back up a second. Um, I mean, you can think of the story where someone's about to be stoned and he's like, well, let him without sin cast the first stone by the law. Did they have right to stone that person? Yeah. I mean, you could easily make that argument. They did make that argument, but Christ is like, look, the law was written to support and be there, but not the way you're using it. They were, they were using in a way that was not Christ-like. And so he sat down and said, go right ahead. Whoever hasn't sinned, if you want to be literal, let's be literal. Whoever hasn't sinned, you can cast the first stone, knowing he's the only person there that can do it. Uh, I still wish we knew what he wrote in the sand. I'd be fascinated (laughs) to know. I mean, did he draw a picture? Did he write like some proverb from the Old Testament? Did he write like his name, just practicing it? Like, I don't know what he wrote. Um, I think it's, it's interesting that it's never written anywhere what he wrote. Um, definitely one of those like questions you have for God when you get to heaven. But the literalness of that time is always just so funny to me. And also, I think, a warning to us that we can fall into that same pitfall 2,000 years later. So I'm going to go on in a little bit of a different direction. So in today's world, do you think that we take things too literal still? I think at times we can. Uh, It's one of those things uh, Aaron, our preacher, talked about recently with like the absolute truth. Like by saying an absolute that we do it, you're disproving your own absolute truth. I definitely think something we can do very easily. Uh, I think the church falls into it a lot of times when you start talking about tradition and some of those things where they take certain texts so literally that you kind of miss the context of everything else that's going on. So yeah, I I definitely think it is something we can. I don't want to say it's something we always do, but I do definitely think it's something we fall in the trap of often. Now I will agree with that. That is something that, that while we are, while we were talking about this, this story, it's something that, that, that came to my mind is just, I think that today in today's 
time in today's church, I think there's times where we look at stuff and it's too literal. Do I have an example off the top of my head? No. But I do think that there are things that we do um, that we are like, we are too literal about it. And we're missing the concept of what Christ really wants. And that is the thing that's the trap that's set for us, that the devil sets for us. And that's something that we have to think broadly about of maybe we need to really examine what we are doing and um, say, are we missing the point? Is it a, uh, is it something we should be focused on? Is it a tradition that we've done and we probably shouldn't do it anymore? So that's, that's my two cents. Yeah. Good thoughts. While y'all were talking and kind of reminded me of what Paul says, and I think he says it in Galatians, Derek, you can help me since you're, you're teaching that on Sunday morning. Um, He talks about how, you know, if the law was good enough, there'd be no need for for Christ to come. Kind of like what you're saying, you know, we can sometimes be too clingy to some of the, I don't want to say the commands, but um, we can be too cutthroat. You know, you've got to do everything just right, and we forget about the grace piece that God gives us. Now, of course, we want to not sin, but we need to be mindful that there is grace for when we fail, and we will, that that Christ, again here, he's claiming that he was God. Um, he will he will save us. So, any other th- final thoughts? No, I think we're good. Cool. Well, this was Learning Through Grace. This was Derek, Tyler, and Alan. Um, you can listen to us anywhere you find podcasts. Um, a new episode coming out every other week. Be looking for it. Bye-bye.